Mike. There they are. All right, so I know Pastor's coming. Uh, before he gets here, just take this little time to say that if you didn't know, our, our youth is going to youth camp this week. Like tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., they're getting dropped off at CFNI. We're going to be there from Monday to Friday. So um, just remember that throughout the week. Pray for us. Pray for the kids. Pray for the leaders because we're going to need it. We got 11, so not too bad, but uh, we're really expecting God to move uh, this week in the kids' lives. I shared this morning at Huddle, uh, there's a certain few things that we're praying and believing for, like expectations and goals that we have for our kids today. Uh, so I'll probably post them later, the five things that we've kind of been praying about for, for our kids. Uh, so if you see that post, pray into those things because, man, our kids need it. There's so much stuff online. There's so much stuff within social media and so many things that are happening in our world today. Um, so partner with us, uh, partner with the rest of the church as we just prepare for these kids' lives to be changed. Like we want the direction of their life. Like they're walking this way and it's like, er, and then now like they're heading in a completely different direction. So we know the Lord is going to move uh, really in a mighty way. And so I'm, I'm glad actually that I have the opportunity to share this because it works out great. Um, so there's a few things. I'll just can say the things that we're believing for. So first and foremost, believing that uh, our kids will encounter the presence of God, like actually encounter the Lord. Uh, and then we're praying that we would develop really strong relationships with each other because that's what church is about. It's not coming to hear something. It's coming to be a part of something. And so we're believing for that for our kids. Or we're believing that God is going to give them spiritual direction for their lives. So like jobs, vocations, careers. Uh, I know the Lord's going to move in their lives. Um, and we're also believing that every gift and talent and ability that they have will be used for the glory of God. Because we have an extremely talented youth group. Like, like they have crazy talents. And so we're praying that they would use that for the glory of God. Um, and then uh, the last one that we have uh, is that they would develop and desire strong disciplines with the Lord, the discipline in prayer. The past two weeks we've been praying and fasting in preparation for camp. Uh, so just developing strong disciplines. Um, so those five things, pray with us, partner with us. I know at the end of service, uh, we're going to get all these come up, they're going to lay hands on us. Um, and so that's going to be fun. So um, I think that's about it. Yeah. the Lord. Amen. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to see you. We, we, we normally time this out perfectly, but when we were watching the stream back, back there, we were on delay. <laughs> so we thought they were still kind of doing some things, but it was delayed. So apologize for a little bit of the timing, but listen, God is awesome and his word's going to go forward. And I pray today that you came to hear the word of the Lord. How many here today love truth? I, I love truth. How, how, how many today know, I just want you to hear this. How many know that truth will cost you something? Right? How many know that sometimes truth hurts? But I'd rather you momentarily feel the sting of truth than to live the rest of your lives in the long suffering of, they say, lies. I don't want you to live a life in a lie. I want you to live your life in the truth. Amen. There's so much more productivity when we do it that way. So listen, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm, while we're standing, I want to have you go to your Bible, St. Luke 14. And I'm going to read something to you today that, can I say this to you? It's probably going to blow your mind up. Amen. 
you, you, uh, you know, there's some meat in the kingdom of God. Could I suggest to you that we're going to eat, we're going to eat some fajitas, but how many know when you eat fajitas, if you don't cut off that, that top layer, you're going to be chewing a long time. So, so I'm going to show you something in the Bible that is the meat of the word of the Lord. And if you're not prepared for this, you're just going to be chewing a long time. So, so I'm going to show you how we tenderize this <laughs> and prep it for the use of the family faith. So before I get into this, so, so if you have your Bible, St. Saint, 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 uh, Luke 14, before we get there, a, a few weeks ago I preached a message about don't take the bait, right? Don't take the bait of offense. And, and, and at the very end, I know if, I said if, if you're forgiven, if you're going to walk in forgiveness, you're going to let offense go, I, I want to commemorate that with the, with the, the, little, the little scandalon, the, the mouse trap, the mouse stick. And Sierra was the first one that put her hands up. You remember that, Sierra? But there were others that put their hand. If you were here that morning and heard that message, you put your hand up, would you put your hand up again if you're here? All right, so keep your hand up. Uh, Richard, go ahead, and I brought that. And can, can you hand me one because I just want to... I, I, I want to show the church family, uh, and then you could take mine because I think these are all going to be, these are all going to be used. So, so this is a mouse trap, a, a, a rat trap. There you go. When, when I went to Home Depot, uh, the lady at the counter says, "Oh, you must got a lot of critters." I said, "I do, got a lot of critters, but I know how to trap them." So, so this mouse trap, we learned a couple of weeks ago. That this, this, this trap stick, which is this long bar, is what is called scandalon, or what the Bible refers to in the Greek as offense. And so this is how the enemy traps you. He, he puts an offense on this scandalon here, but it, there's a trap stick. And, and how many know that if you play with this long enough, if this is set, it's set to trap you, it'll come and snap on you, right? And so we learned that in the church here at Harvest Point, first of all, we're not going to be offended anymore. We're just not going to be trapped by that anymore. We, we don't want to walk in offense. We want to forgive each other. The Bible said if we fail to forgive one another, God will fail to forgive us. Right? So we got, just got to walk like that. And so uh, the Spirit spoke. We, we went to Psalms 133, and of course, uh, uh, some, several people raised their hand that day uh, as they released offense and forgave and forgave each other. I don't know all the things, but the, the Spirit of the Lord uh, uh, spoke a word to me. He says, God commanded his blessing and life over you. This is Psalms 133, and I wrote it there, and then I always, I put on each one of these, don't, don't take the bait of offense. So today, listen, j just as a proof, if you're offended with somebody, let it go. Because if you're offended, you're going to interrupt the blessing of God right here at Harvest Point Church. And you're going to interrupt the blessing of God in your life. Let it go. Give it to God. Right? And so we went through a whole message. If you didn't get that message, go back and hear it. I think that was, I can't remember, uh, uh, that was on the, the 28th. of. I can't remember, remember the name of the message. I don't know, some of y'all may remember it. But anyway, we're giving these away as mementos. When you take this, don't take it home and put it, take it to work and put it on your desk. And when your coworker comes by and says, what are you doing with that big mousetrap on your desk? Say, let me tell you what that's about, brother. Read this right here and you can help somebody. So uh, who, 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 go ahead, Rich. I'm, we got, 
I, I brought six of them. If I need to bring more, man, I'll buy a hundred of them if people will let go of the fence. It's worth it, right? Because we don't want to interrupt that. My man, I see you with your hat. You want one of these, my brother? I'm going to come hand you this myself. I, let, let me give him this, Rich. I'm going to give him one. You're a guest today here at Harvest Point. Is your name Miguel? Let me give you a hug, man. Rafaela, God bless you, sweetheart. We love you guys. Yeah. Don't look at your neighbor and say, don't be offended anymore. Just, just let it go. Just let it go. The Bible says, he that delights in your word can't be offended. Yeah. Amen. Somebody say glory to God. All right. So, you, so, so look, today, I'm going to, listen, I'm just trying to prep you for the message today because sometimes the Spirit of the Lord, and I, I love this series, Pastor's Peeves, because, you know, I'm not on my soapbox, but there are things that are just, you know, how many know last week we talked about, Jesus talked about the four people, four types of persons that cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and I don't want you under some delusion Jesus said, listen, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, listen, only he that doeth the will of my Father shall enter in. Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so you know what, brother and sister, we don't let those teachings escape you because, listen, this is what I don't want to happen. I don't want to get before the Lord. I want us to all get to heaven. Right as a shepherd, you know, I want to make sure that everybody gets there. That's, that's why I reach out to you when I don't see you. That's why I, I, I love, that's why I pray for you, because I want us all to get there. When I get to heaven, I want to say, Father, everybody you gave me is here. I'm going to say like Jesus, all that you gave me are here present with me. All that you gave me, they're right here, right? And so I'm, I'm very conscious about that spiritually, and I don't want you to think, do you know that Jesus gives, and I'm going to read this to you, who can be his disciple? Right? Do y'all hear that? He's saying, There's, this is the only person who I can marry. just want you to hear this because it's so profound. And so I want to take you to these verses and then just, just let the word of the Lord minister to you. I promise you, if you just open your heart, the benefit of just hearing this is exponential, right? So we are in St. Luke chapter 14. And I want you to slide your finger down to verse 25. And I'm going to read it through the end of the chapter. Don't worry, it's not going to read real difficult. I think you'll get this teaching very plain. It's going to just, it's going to fall on you like peanut butter. Come on, somebody. This is smooth peanut. It's not going to be chunky peanut butter. It's going to be smooth peanut butter. Let's get this. It says verse 25 here of St. Luke 14, verse 25 says, And there went great multitudes with him. Interesting. And he turned and said unto them. So there's a lot of people. And Jesus turned and said, watch what he says. Catch this. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, watch out ladies, and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also. What does he say? He cannot be my disciple. Oh, that's a my God. Thank you, Sister Sean. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, 
cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desire conditions of peace. So watch what he says. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not, look what it says, all that he hath. Somebody say all. Look at your neighbor say, Jesus wants everything. 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 He says, and he, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Wow. Wow. Are y'all ready? Y'all going to pray with me? This is... This is some stuff right here. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need your help today because we're we're, we're getting into the very meat of the Scriptures, a place, Holy Ghost, that's going to cost us everything. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, today you just absolve us from all the cares and worries and duties and things that might be upon our mind that are keeping us entertained with anything or everything but you uh, we want concentration uh, we, 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 we want the kind of anointing in here that draws people in with laser focus that they won't be distracted to the left or the right but that they'll be able to see through all of all of the the snares in life to get right to the point of the matter and today holy spirit we're talking about discipleship we all want to be your, his disciple. But we just found out it's going to cost everything. Help us to understand this. Help us to comprehend it as we should. Or let us walk out today with, with this thought in mind. The cost of discipleship. Help us to comprehend it and understand. Help us to walk it. Help, in, uh, help us to desire it. We pray your help today. We can't get there without it. So we pray your help, your strength, uh, your purpose to be unfolded here. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, before you see it, you know, we always take a little time to greet. My dad's here, and my dad just turned 83 years old. How about that? He just turned 83, and I, they celebrated. My mom's and dad celebrated their anniversary. Dad, I, I, y'all are 60, 61 years of marriage or 62? 62. Yeah, don't forget that, Daddy. You'll get in trouble. You don't remember. So 62, amen, and, and how awesome is that? And I know um, uh, uh, Jonathan and Megan, they just celebrated their 
anniversary. That's yesterday. They had five years. Amen. Uh, if you don't know, this is, this is a little odd in the church. So my dad and mom share the same anniversary as my daughter and Jonathan. And our elders over here, Elder Jeannie and Ray, they celebrated. Now you guys got 40, what was it, 40? Oh, 26. Okay, very good, 26. I don't know why I was thinking 40. Anyway, so they got 26. So anyway, go say salute each other, but if you can, go by and hug on these necks and tell them happy anniversary, happy birthday. Let them know uh, that you love each other. Go by and greet somebody. When you see somebody, will you tell them it'll cost you everything? It'll cost you everything. Yeah, say hello, say hello, say hello. Say hello, say hello, say hello. Glory to God. Let me give you a hug, Brother Bill. All right, Brother, God bless you. Good to see you. Good to be seen. <laughs> God is awesome, awesome. God is awesome. Yeah, it's good to see the family faith saying hello one to another, loving on each other. That's, that's the church, amen. If we're not a family, we're nothing at all. Yeah. Here in just a little while, we're going to bring our young people in and bless them and send them out to camp tomorrow morning. We'll... We'll bless them all together. Amen. Everybody's moving about. Amen. This might sound strange to you, but I, I believe that the, the, the time that we spend greeting is just as valuable as the altar service. Saying hello to each other, loving on us, shaking somebody's hand, giving somebody a, a hug. As the Bible says, giving each other a holy kiss. <laughs> Somebody say amen to that. I know everybody starts tripping when you start talking about a holy kiss. Uh, yeah. S -s -s Some people might say, I ain't going back to that church, man. They started kissing on me, man. I don't know what they was doing in there. But it's so important. How many of you know it's important that we, we call each other brother and sister? Amen. That's, that's valuable. I know we're in a culture and People try to be real sophisticated, and there's a lot of technology. But you can't get away from the clear teachings of the Scriptures. We're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, we're part of the family of faith. Yeah, listen, this family is more permanent than your biological one. I'm here to tell you, in, in due season, your biological family is going to be absolved when you get to heaven. Right? And, and, as, and as much as an earthly father I am to my son, you see my son Daniel here? When we get to heaven, he gets to go to his real father. In fact, could I even tell you the Bible says, call no man on earth father, for you have only one father in heaven. Man, I'll tell you what, things are going to change radically for us when we get to heaven. You won't even have to be married in heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> going to give my baby back to Jesus, say here she is. Brought her back. Glory to God. That's good stuff. 
you're sitting next to somebody, say, you're my brother, you're my sister in faith. Just tell them, say, you're my sister, you're my brother in faith. Yeah, it's a powerful teaching, powerful understanding. I'm going to dive in at the deep end. Y'all ready? I'm just going to give you something I think going to help you really realize faith. Could I even suggest that what I'm about to say is kind of encapsulates the whole of Christianity? It's a verse that we all know. If you've ever saw a football game or saw people at the end by the goalpost, you always see that somebody holding a sign, John 3, 16. I hope that you've memorized it. It's real simple, too. The Bible says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him, the Bible says, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? To really think through what you've just said? For God, listen, so loved the world. You know, most people don't know what so means. <laughs> to say God so loved the world is to say that God loved the world to its fullness, to, to, to a great extent. Most people have never really bothered to think about how much did God love us? Well, I'll tell you the way Paul said it. Paul writing to the church at Rome in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans says this, for scarcely... For a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure, for a good man would one even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us. And that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah, that deserves a clap offering. Because what it says when you were at your worst, God was at his very best. When you didn't know God, you didn't recognize God, you didn't serve God, you didn't think about God, none of your habits or thoughts or thinking was towards God, yet God sent his son to show you that he loved you. Now you think about that for a minute. That while you were still yet a sinner, Jesus Christ came and died for you. Anybody want to go a little deeper? Uh, so, so, so the beloved, the revelator, John, he says this in his first epistle to the church when he writes this, is St. John 4.10. He says this, and herein is love. So, so if you want to know what is the body of love, what does love really look like? What's, what's the weight of love? He says, and herein is love, not that you loved God, catch this, but that he loved you first. Isn't that nice? Isn't it nice when somebody loves you first? They take all the drama out of the room. And somebody tells you they love you. This is here in his love. Not that you love God, but that he loved you first and gave his son to be a propitiation for your sins. That, that God wants to show you just how much he loves you. And he sent his son to pay the price to prove that God loved you. Look at your neighbor and say, God proved he loved you. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not 
perish but have everlasting life. Have you ever thought of, 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 of all the people who have come to Jesus that his blood remains sufficient to save you? That even if the whole world, if, if every single person had decided to believe in Christ, his blood would be full enough to welcome them into the family of faith, to, the, to, to be part of the household of God. That amazing. Uh, think, think about yourself just for a moment. Just think if, if we were able to write down all your sins. Let, let me do it one more time. If I was able to write down all your sins and put them on a paper, how, how, how many numbers would I have to write down? Five? Ten? Fifteen? Twenty? Or would you say, Pastor, no comment? I just plead the blood. Think, think of the collective weight of all the sin in the world that Jesus came in his blood. How rich it is that it completely absolves you. It completely saturates your sins in so much as the Bible says you are washed in the blood of Christ. Ah, come on, somebody. Give the Lord a cap offering and say, my God is awesome with a capital A. Give your neighbor a high five and say, Jesus did it all. I did it all. What I love about Christian faith is that the, the, the sum of that, the love of God, the sum of that, we get to participate with that in what we call sacraments. Uh, some of you may not understand how valuable sacraments are because it gives us a chance to realize the things that we profess. How many know that here at Harvest Point, uh, as most churches in Christendom, we practice three sacraments in the church? The first one, First sacrament is baptism. Hallelujah. How, how, how many are glad that you can profess the name of Jesus and actually get to physically enact that which appears to us spiritually in symbol, in sign, where, where, where you go down into the Holy Ghost that water being a symbol of the Holy Spirit and his ability as you come up to wash you in the regeneration of the Holy Ghost, where now you are washed in the Spirit of God. Isn't that amazing to be washed in the Spirit of God? And we get, to, we get to participate in that. And when you come up out of that water, a sign to all the world that you are now washed in the Holy Ghost and you are truly a son or daughter in the kingdom of heaven. Anybody glad about that? I'm glad that I'm a child of God. I'm glad that I'm a son of God. You get to see it for yourself. I love sacraments. How many know we also practice the sacrament of communion? Right? Anybody know communion? You know, we, we, we take a little cup of juice, right? We, we get some bread and we participate. Jesus said, this, this, this blood is the New Testament, right? In my blood, which was shed for you. Somebody say it was shed. Look at your neighbor say it was shed. A, a doctor did not come and pull it out of a vial into a little bottle. It was shed. You, you, you know how they got that blood out? They beat it out of him. They scourged him into an inch of his life, uh, and they took that blood. Do you know that the blood of Jesus was not only shed on the cross, but it was shed right there before the Sanhedrin. It was shed right there in the temple. It was shed in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus was broken. And so that's why we not only take 
the blood, but we also do what? We take, we take the bread, we take the body. It's called communion. Come on, y'all. Look at your name and say, come on, get with it. Do you know that the church in Corinth, the Bible says that uh, they, they, when they were getting together, taking the communion, that they started taking it in an unworthy manner. They started eating the bread. You know, they started bringing loaves of bread. They started making communion dinner time. The Bible says that because they profaned the Lord's Supper, that many were sick and had already fallen asleep. So Paul said, he that eateth and drinketh the communion, the supper, unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation. This is what he says. Not discerning the Lord's body. You, you have heard me teach in this church to this family of faith. And brothers and sisters, if you stand before the Lord, you're going to stand before him in, in this account. I taught you that we're good at drinking. We're not good at eating. Every one of us professes to be free of sin. We just don't know how powerful the body is. And listen, brothers and sisters, Jesus said, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you shall have no part of me. You need both the blood and the body. And brother, that body's powerful. For by his stripes you are healed. It's powerful. Look at your neighbor and say, it's powerful, baby. That, 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 that bread is powerful, right? But I want you to see that all of that was done. That brokenness, that body that was beaten is the proof of God's love for you. So when we take it, Jesus says, as oft as you do this, he says, you do remember what? My death until I come. Think about that for a minute. How did he die? Was it casual? Was Jesus euthanized? Or was he brutalized on a cross? Brother and sister, I, I share with you that these sacraments are ways that we participate back with God. Uh, God wants to show you that he's given to you everything. When God surveyed heaven and he was trying to draw you back to himself, he sent to you everything. Somebody say everything. You, you, you know, when Jesus appears, he's got both feet in, in his love for you. Do, do you know that Jesus comes as the bridegroom to find him a bride? And so he steps in with both feet. So I say to you, our third sacrament, it's called marriage. Many of you know, I married you. Do, do, do you, know, you, you know, we're in a culture that doesn't understand that marriage is a sacrament before it's anything else. And, and brother and sister, I believe that the divorce rate is a divorce rate because people don't know the contract that they're entering into. Because getting married will cost you everything. Uh, marriage is not, you, you know, you do 50 and I do 50 and our 250s make 100. No, 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 that's not how it works. You have to bring 100. You got a hundo, she got a hundo. doesn't make two hundos, it makes one hundo. Because two shall become one. I, 
I want you to see that, that, that nobody ever in the proposition of marriage comes into marriage saying, well, I'm going to bring 30% to the marriage. I, I, I want you to see that, that the conversation radically changed when we get in marriage, and it's the way that God allows you to understand what he's doing to you. Here's Jesus saying, I am here with everything. I give to you the fullness of the kingdom. I give to you the fullness of God. Everything I have now becomes yours. Just as a good husband would. Uh, Marriage is a way for you, husbands, to identify in the sacrament of marriage, for you to participate in the fullness of the kingdom by taking part practically. So husband, you become the Christ. Now you have to love your wife sacrificially. Your whole life is loving that one woman and that's your main concern. And you're going to give up everything to make sure that your baby is total, that she's whole. You got that? No, 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 let me tell you, because, you know, a lot of people get married, and they start talking about, oh, you know, we get married, we're going to move over here, we're going to stay over there, we're going to have three kids, and, and, and a cat, and a dog, and, and I hope that I have, no, no, brother, sister, you got it wrong. Somebody done told you wrong. Listen, I'm here to tell you that marriage first is a sacrament, it's a sign, it's a, it's a way, it's an emblem, it's a symbol, husband, for you to participate in the faith that you profess. Marriage is first faith before it's practical. Wives, you got to come and submit yourself. I didn't get no amen. I, I think I heard somebody say right. But it sounded like a man's voice in the back. I ain't going to point to nobody. <laughs> I'm showing you what the church is. I'm teaching you, I'm embodying in this sacrament a way that we participate back with what we're talking about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is saying, I'm committed to you. Will you commit to me? I'm giving you everything. Will you give me everything? Because if you don't want to come with everything, we can't get married. Oh, I'm saying something now. See, see, no, 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 no. Uh, look at your name and say, God didn't make you sign no prenuptial. <laughs> yeah, see, see, God says, everything that I have is yours. All that I am now belongs to you. The Bible says, if children, then heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Everything that is God is yours. God belongs to you. He's going to be a God to you. The question is, will you bring everything back to God? Because says, listen, if I'm giving everything, you've got to bring everything. And there's not one husband, there's not one marriage in here where you both came and said, listen, everything I have is now yours. Somebody say hallelujah. How many know, husbands, when you married your girl, all her credit cards became your credit cards? Problem is they were all at the max. You couldn't even get in on any of that spending action. She already messed them up. She got bad credit. Now her bad credit became your credit. I got one laugh right there. Brother Billy's laughing. He said, yeah. Yeah, she's, you know, whatever you bring to the table. But listen, whatever you got, I want it. 
Y'all hear what I just said? Listen, if I'm giving everything, I want you to give everything. So, so when you go back and you investigate the text, you have to be in that frame of mind. Jesus is proposing to you. We just don't read it like that because, oh, why does it cost that much to be a disciple? Yes, it does. Because discipleship is the act of marrying, following, being part of the purpose of Christ. It costs you everything. Will somebody say everything? Somebody say everything. Will you get up right now, go find somebody and tell them it's going to cost you everything. Get up right now, go find somebody and say it's going to cost you everything. Because I don't want somebody to leave the church and not realize what I was preaching about. It'll cost you everything. Somebody say everything. Just go find somebody and say it's going to cost you everything. Everything. Gonna cost you everything. And not one of you should be tripping at all. Because if you got married, you already participated in the process one time. And maybe you got married and it wasn't what you thought it was gonna be. Oh, here we go. Maybe you got married and you said to yourself, man, this marriage, this showing up a thing. You, you find out that you can't change the job when you want to change the job. You find out that your mom and dad had a curfew, now your husband has a curfew. <laughs> can't wait to get on my own, get married, I can come on one and one. No, you can't. Because your baby calling you, where you at? When I get married, when I get older, I'm getting married, I buy what I want. No, you can't buy what you want. Now you got three kids, now you got to buy them what they want. How I many know what it is when you get married? You don't get to get what you want because it's your kids come first. Your priorities shift, everything changes. Listen, when you put everything on the table, you got to know what you're putting your everything into. And I want you to know that Jesus is showing up in your life with both his feet and they're saying, I am here and I am total and I am everything. Will you follow me? Everything I have is yours. Everything I am is yours. Everything that I possess is yours. My word is yours. My heart is yours. Now, will you follow me? And if you say yes, he says, well, it'll cost you everything. Now, now, now I have a proposal for you today that simply says this. You're going to follow something. That's the truth. Why not follow Jesus? You're going to pay the price somewhere. Something's going to get your everything. Why not go ahead and just give your everything just the way you won't get mixed up? That's what, that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus, let me just show you this principle. St. John chapter 6. Jesus is telling them, unless you drink of my blood and eat of my flesh, you have no part of me. When they heard that, they knew Jesus was talking about intimacy. They left him. The Bible says in John, St. John chapter 6, verse 66. 666, John 666. The Bible says, and from that time, many disciples turned and followed Jesus no more. Jesus turned back to the disciples and says, will you leave me too? I love Peter's response. Lord. We've given up everything to follow you. Brother, that's salt. 
Are you that salty? Brother and sister, are you, is Harvest Point, is our ground, is it salty? Or have we lost our saltiness? You, you, you say, well, how do you lose your saltiness? It's easy. I'll show you how. Jesus is teaching this principle, but before he teaches it, he, he, he has a conversation uh, 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 to the Jews, to the religious elite, those that thought for sure they're going to heaven. For sure they're connected to God. And so he gives them a parable. This is what he tells them. There's a king uh, that wanted to invite people over to the marriage supper. So he sent his servant, which is indicative of the symbol of Christ. He sent him out to, to bid those to come. And he went to one and he said, Lord, he went and said, the, the table's ready. The food is ready. Come participate in the supper. And he said, well, listen, I just bought, I just bought some land. And I need to go tend to it. I got some business to do. Please excuse me. So the servant went out to another and said, listen, the, the, the table's set. Uh, the, the, the marriage is about to begin. To come and participate with all that God prepared for you. He said, oh, listen, I just bought some oxen. I need to go tend to them. I, I want to see if they're strong beasts. Please, please excuse me. The servant went over to the one that was getting married. He says, look, the, the, the marriage supper's right. He says, I'm getting married. About to go on my honeymoon. Please excuse me. So the servant came back and said, nobody wants to come. Everything is too much of an inconvenience. They got things to do. Nothing immoral, nothing bad, nothing wrong. They're just, they just love other things more than they love God. So the Bible says that the king was wroth. And in a lot of ways, I was glad he got mad. Because you know what he told the servant? Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go out into the highways. And to the byways. And to the alleyways. That's where he found you. I want you to go over to Oak Cliff. I want you to go to Dalworth. I, I want you to go to West Dallas, man. Right there on Bernal Street, man. Go right down over there. Invite everybody to come. Tell them to come participate in the wedding. See, that's where, that's where I got my calling. When he went out to the alleyway. The Bible says that they all went in and began to participate, began to eat. And the Bible says when the king went out, now watch this. The king went out and, and as he was walking amongst the crowd... The people who were invited, he noticed one of them didn't have wedding clothes on. So the king says, what are you doing here without wedding clothes? They didn't tell you what you were invited to? You know, Brother Billy, I look around, I see Elder and my dad. and I'm in such a casual culture now. We don't even know what to give honor to or the things that we show respect to. You, you, you know, I, I, there's people, and forgive me for this. Y'all just bear with me, right? This is Pastor Peeves, right? Pastor Peeves. You, 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 you know, whenever I go to a funeral, I've never been to a funeral with a person there in flip-flops. Just, just, just showing you. 
Just allow me to speak. Don't get mad at me. Don't give me a oho. Just trying to help you understand some principles. There are places that we deem to be respectable, places that we show respect. We're going to show respect for someone. Listen, I'm not saying you got to be in a bow tie like mine, but we want to show respect in the house of God. You see, people are coming not realizing what they're coming to. Listen, this will cost you everything. Here's somebody at, at a wedding feast. He doesn't come with that attitude. He doesn't have the garments that show that he's there to be married to Christ. So you know what the Lord said? The king said, tie this one up. Tie him up. Throw him out where there's outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He didn't come prepared to get married. Brother, just evaluate your life. I have to evaluate mine. I'm responsible to teach you the truth. And I just want you to see that Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to be married to me, it's cost you everything. But how many of you know, whatever we give, all that we give to the Lord, it's nothing compared to what he's given us. Nothing shall compare to the glory which shall be revealed in us in Christ Jesus, that he has more on the table than I have. So I gladly give it away. Think about your life. Has your life interfered with your relationship with Christ? Are you like the one where, the, where God comes and you've got more interest in your marriage or more interest in a business dealing or more interest in life and things and children and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters? Jesus said, if you love them more than you love me, you cannot be my disciple. And I have to tell you the truth as, a, as an under-shepherd, a man faithful to God. I have to tell you that if there's anything between you and Christ, you cannot be his disciple. You forfeit your right. He demands complete fidelity. You say, preacher, he commands complete fidelity. Well, so do you. Not one of you married in here would allow your spouse to say all you have to do is be faithful 260 days out of the year. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Well, you tap your neighbor and say there's more than 260 days in the year now. You're looking around like, well, what, what, what's the big deal about that? <laughs> 365 days a year, and if it's a leap year, 366. Yeah. Brother and sister, listen. That's what he demands. And why shouldn't he demand that? Right. He has every right to say, I want it all if he's brought it all. Somebody say amen to that. He has every right to tell you he wants everything if he's brought everything. And you know what I say back to him? Jesus, here I am. I don't love anything more than I love you. And the older you get, you start realizing that everything around you is temporal. The older you get, you start realizing all the things that you put your investment in and all the things you put your time in. Now you're realizing that you don't get nothing back from that. The only place that you can safely invest is in the personhood of Christ. And if you invest it there, the benefit and the dividend is out of this world. Ah, look at your neighbor and say, it'll cost you everything. Just shout it out, everything. If anybody asks you, what does it cost to go to your church? Everything. 
What church you go to? Harvest Point. How much it costs to go there? Everything. Wow. How many members y'all got? <laughs> like six of us. <laughs> but we all gave everything. Yeah, come on, somebody. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not going to get a big crowd when you're talking about everything. The big crowd is where you only have to do a little bit. Cost everything. And I'm man enough in the spirit of God to tell you the truth. You've heard me say this. I, I love the Old Testament. The reason why I love the Old Testament is the Old Testament is kind of to me like a sacrament. We get to see in real life how things play out so that we can go back and see the things that please God and the things that don't. And it's usually in a very practical way that we can go back. I love reading the Old Testament because I get to see what God hates. And I get to see what God loves. And I can learn the principle and I can tie that principle back into the New Testament. So let, let, let me give you a, an Old Testament principle about what it costs. The, the, the Bible tells me, many of y'all know that my favorite Old Testament character is Moses, but I love David too. And we all know David by the epitaph that God gave to him, that he is a man after my own heart. The Bible says that the last great sin of David, David committed many sins, and some of y'all, those are on record. I go back and read the life of David, you'll see a lot of things that David did wrong. The last great sin of King David is taking the census of Israel. D David wanted to see how strong he was. So, so he called uh, the, the, the Lord of his host, Joab, to go out and count the number of all the fighting men from Dan to Beersheba and even Judah. And we know there's two kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdom. And the Bible, the Bible says that, that even Joab understood how, how, how irreverent this was before God. This old king, that, that, that the number would be 100,000 times more than what you think it is. Please don't make me go out and do that in the sight of God. But David sent him anyway. Now, some of you don't know that God had already wrote a prescription. This is in Exodus 30, where God said, if you ever take a number of the people of Israel, you take from every person you count, I want you to take from them a ransom, a shekel and a half. Because they're going to have to redeem themselves if they're going to be counted. That's rich. Man, I could preach a message on that, but I ain't got time. The, the, the Bible says that, that, that Joab went out and he counted all the men. From Dan to Beersheba, 800,000 valiant men with swords. Uh, Judah reported back 500,000 men, fighting men, valiant men with swords. 1.3 million men. And when David heard the number, you thought he would have said hip, hip, hooray. But when he heard the number, the Bible teaches us that his countenance fell. And he was grieved in his heart. And he said, I have sinned before the Lord. The Bible says that God sent his prophet Gad to him. Said, David, you have sinned before God. Choose you this day three things. God's going to punish you. Seven years of famine. Three months of running before your enemies. Three days of pestilence. David said, I am in dire straits. He said, but I'm going to fall into the hands of God before I fall into the hands of men. He said, Father, you choose. Watch what happens. The death angel shows up. 
David sees him. He pulls a sword out of his sheath. And from Dan to Bathsheba, in one day, 70,000 Israelites fell dead. The end of that day, the Bible says that that death angel took his sword and pointed it towards Jerusalem. The Bible records that as that death angel moved and pointed his sword, he was standing on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite, what we know as Mount Moriah. And when God saw that angel step onto that threshing floor and point his sword towards Jerusalem, God said, stay your hand. We know Mount Moriah because there is another sword on Mount Moriah. Some of you may not know this. For all of you that really study your Bible, the first time the word love is mentioned in the Bible, the first time we see in the Bible the word love is in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. This is what it said. And God said, Abraham, take thy son and whom thou lovest and take him in sacrifice unto me to a mountain that I will show you. Some of y'all know this story. The Bible says early the next morning, he claimed that wood. He saddled that ass. He says, Isaac, it's time to go. He took his men's servants, and as they traveled, God showed them, there's Mount Moriah. And he says, you guys wait here while I and the lad, listen, go yonder to worship. We know what happened as they walked. Isaac asked his daddy, daddy, where's the sacrifice for the burnt offering? He says, the Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. The Bible says he bound him by his hands, put him on that wood. He took that knife out of his back pocket. And he was about to thrust it into his heart until he heard, stay thy hand. Don't you move. Now I know that you love me. Because you've not withheld anything from me. When God saw the death angel at Mount Moriah where the promise was made, where the blessing was found. He says, you stop right there. The Bible says that the prophet Gad understood. They saw the angel stayed there with the sword and he could move no further. And the prophet Gad went over to David and said, David, quickly, let's make an altar to the Lord. David went over to Aruna. The Bible says that when Aruna saw David coming, he went and prostrated himself. Well, what do you do here, my king? Why have you come looking for somebody low like me? He says, I'm here to buy your threshing floor. I'm here to buy your threshing floor. That the plague might be stayed. You know what Aruna told David? Have it. It's yours. Take the threshing floor. Here's the ox for, 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 for the sacrifice. Take it all. I give it to you. And David said, no. There's no way I can take it. Because if I'm going to offer sacrifices unto the Lord, it has to cost me something. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. 
David said, I don't want to have it for free. How can I worship God if what you're giving me came to me at no cost? It has to cost me everything if I'm going to give worship back to God. And the Bible says that when David made that transaction and he paid that price, that the Bible says that the sword that was in the death angel's hand when he made that altar, and the Bible says he paid 50 shekels of silver for the threshing floor. The Bible said he paid 600 shekels of gold in weight to buy the mountains. David bought the mountains. The Bible says that when that altar was erected, David began to worship. Lord, it's cost me everything. Lord, watch what David says. Lord, these people are innocent sheep. It's my fault. This is my fault this has happened. They, they didn't deserve to die. And you know what David said on, on the threshing floor of Aruna? He said this. Well, you got to hear this. He says, let my house pay for it. Put your, put your death on my house. Let it fall on me. It's my fault. Many theologians believe, it's debated today, that right where the threshing floor of Aruna was, it's spoken, that's where Abraham came. It's where the temple was made. It's where they say Jesus was crucified. So you see, God literally paid the price out of David's house in a person called Jesus, who we refer to as the son of David. And what did he do? He paid the price. He paid the price so that you could worship God. Brother and sister, will you put your wedding garment on and understand what we're talking about in the church? That, brother and sister, you got to bring everything to God. This is not just some loathsome place that you come and pay some religious duty. This is the house of God where we come to lift our hands and worship with everything that we have. With everything that we have. Touch your neighbor and say, it'll cost you everything. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I've got to stop. I'm past time. I'm past time. But all that we would lift our hands and say, I want to be a disciple. The Bible says, let me finish this. The Bible says, when David made that claim, Lord, let my house pay for my sins of taking this census. God heard him. He says, oh, surely out of your house, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to come send my son out of the house of David, a Messiah, out of that royal lineage, he's going to pay the price. He's going to bring everything. The Bible says that when David worshiped, the scriptures say that David, the prophet and the people there that saw it, they saw the death angel take that sword and he sheathed his sword. And the Bible says that the plague was stayed from all of Israel. But the principle is taught. 
you have to give everything. I don't know if you see Jesus as I do, as such a lover of my soul. I don't know if you see him as I see him, as my very bridegroom. I don't know if you see him as I see him, as somebody who has completely paid the price. He, as the Bible says, is my very propitiation. Jesus has given everything to me. He's appeared not empty-handed, but full of life and grace and ability. He arrived in the fullness of the personhood of God, who the Bible says in him dwelleth the fullness in God bodily. That, that here he is with the love of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the compassions of God, the long-suffering of God. He arrives in such beautiful splendor. I see him as the fullness of anything that could be full. I, I see him as beautifulness. I see him as loveliness. I, I see him, guys, as you saw your wife when you first saw her, you said, she's so beautiful. All that I could have her, I'd give up everything for her to be mine. And so like fashion, I come as a disciple in the kingdom. And I tell Jesus, you can gladly have it all. Everything that I am, my time, my talents, my abilities, my strengths, my weaknesses, my monies, my stuff, my things, my hobbies. They all belong to you. Take them, Lord. Nothing's going to come between me and you. You see, I want to be faithful to my, to my groom. I want to show myself to be a faithful a, 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 a child, a, a bride that has practiced fidelity. I don't want anything coming between me and him. And you know what? That includes my wife. That includes my sons and daughters. That includes my grandchildren. That, that includes my possessions, my monies, my things, my time. Nothing comes between me and him. And whatever it takes to serve him, that's what it takes to serve him. Whatever inconvenience it is, that, that, that's why the Bible says, be happy when you suffer for Jesus. Be, be happy when it costs something. I'm praying for you right now. Father, we don't want to be cheapskates. Father, Americans are always looking for the best deal. They want the lowest price. But that's not how you present the kingdom. The, the, the kingdom of God is not on discount. It's not Costco. It's not Sam's Wholesale. This is the most delicate thing. This is the most priceless thing. And even, very few people even come to the place of making transaction. Jesus says, for very few people even find it. Do you know how privileged you are to be in a place where you can make that transaction with God? Do you know how privileged you are that you can even come and give estimate as to the cost? 
Brother and sister, can I encourage you, as many are already coming, can I encourage you today to come to the altar and, 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 and add it up. Just add it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why not come down to the altar? Leave your seat and come down. I, I, I'm going to come with you because, listen, the pastor's got to add it up too. I, I'm not void of, of the same remedies you have or the same duties that are, are, are placed at your feet. They're placed at mine. And today, you know what? I tell the Lord, I gladly give it up for you. 